0: Good morning, how's everyone doing? I love it. I am Pastor Grace, I am the youth pastor here at Westchester Nazarene, if you do not know me. Isn't our youth group awesome though? Give them a round of applause, they did a great job. I have the privilege of not only working with these students up here, but the students over here, they're all wonderful and I love them to death. Uh, They are teaching me just as much as I am able to teach them day in and day out, and I just love them. They are awesome, they're always an encouragement. So thank you guys for just worshiping and leading us in worship today. So we have been in a series called Courageous Faith. And in week one, we talked about the woman that anointed Jesus' feet and how it was an act of worship. And then in week two, which was last week, we talked about Peter walking on water. And not only about the, the step, the uncomfortable step of getting out of the boat, but also the storms that are around us and how we often look at all those storms that are around us, but then we are called to focus on Jesus instead of the storms. And so as I was thinking of that and thinking of what courageous faith is and what to talk about today, I came across Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11, it always starts off by saying, by faith, and then it names a biblical hero. And it just talks about the faith that they had. And there was something I noticed from this context. And we see that these biblical heroes from like the Old Testament, they went through all these hardships, all these difficulties. And not only did they go through these hardships and these difficulties, but they had faith. And this faith then allowed us to see the Lord's power shine throughout. And so as I was thinking of this and just their by-faith stories, I started wondering, okay, what's my by-faith story? So I'm just going to jump right into a personal story with you guys. few years ago I got super sick and this sickness was just it affected my entire life it made people not want to be around me because I was so sick they thought they would also get sick and it became super lonely and not only that but because of the sickness I couldn't even go to church to worship God like I was falling away from God. I felt like I was just becoming spiritually weak. I didn't know who God was. If God truly loves me, why in the world would I be going through this sickness? I went to doctor after doctor. I did treatment after treatment and nothing was working and I just continued to get worse. I continued to get sicker. And I didn't know what was happening. No one had an answer for me. And then on top of that, because I went to doctor after doctor, and I did treatment after treatment, finances became a struggle. Everything that was happening in my life was going wrong. It was, everything was just stacking up against each other. I didn't know what to do. I was in a place of hopelessness. Have you guys ever felt like that? Maybe not those circumstances, not with a sickness, but have you ever felt at a place of hopelessness, that all the odds were stacking up against you? It wasn't until one day that I had hope. I went out in public, and I was still sick, but I, I just wanted to seek out hope again. And I saw this massive crowd. And this massive crowd was pushing each other, and it wasn't a fight. They were trying to get to something. And I was really confused, so I asked the guy next to me. I was like, hey, what's happening? And he was like, there's this guy, and he's doing some crazy things in the crowd. Like, you, you should go find out. So I'm like, okay. So I start pushing my way through the crowd. They're pushing me back. And I see who it is. And I immediately start going faster through the crowd. And I start shoving my way through the crowd. And I get to him. And the only thought in my mind as I'm pushing through the crowd is, if only I could touch his clothes, could I be healed? And so I reached out and I touched his clothes. And immediately my sickness was gone. And I was healed. And he turned around and he looked at me and said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So confession, this isn't my by-faith story. This is actually scripture. This is Mark 5. And the reason why I told you it this way first is because I think oftentimes we, we read scripture and we blow it off. Because we don't think we can connect to it. I think sometimes we read scripture and we don't understand the depth of it. And honestly, whenever I first read Mark 5, I didn't know how I could connect to the woman. I haven't had a chronic disease for 12 years that literally messed up my entire life. But then I started getting into the context of it. And I started understanding, wait, I actually, I do feel her. I feel the pain that she's going through. So we're going to be in Mark 5, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and read this with me. Mark 5 verses 24 through 34, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says, "So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You guys can be seated. So we see this woman. She was bleeding for 12 years. She had this chronic disease. And in this time, someone that was in this condition, they were viewed as ceremonially unclean. Can you guys say that with me? It's a really hard thing to say. Ceremonially unclean. That's a tongue twister. So we see that she is ceremonially, see I can't even say it now. Ceremonially unclean. And this means anything she touched or anyone she touched also became unclean. She was a walking disease and it messed up every aspect of her life. Because of this disease, family and friends left. She was lonely. Because of this disease, she wasn't allowed to go into the temple to worship day in and day out, week after week. And so theologians believe that she started to kind of pull away from God. Not only that, but she went to doctor after doctor, did treatment after treatment. Scripture says she grew worse and that all that she had was gone because she was trying to find hope through that. She was going through this tough time. So we see that she is going through this opposition. And we see that she is now chasing after Jesus through a crowd. She's pushing her way through. She reaches out, touches his clothes, becomes healed. He sends her out in freedom and peace. Two things she hasn't experienced in 12 years. So we see the woman's conflict. We see her opposition. But I want to talk about the actions so this woman, who has been identified as unclean for 12 years, has three choices. First one, she could be passive. This passiveness comes from an act of kind of giving up. She could have went to the darkest corner of her house, she could have went to fetal position, she could have been rocking back and forth and said, I give up, I'm just not going to do anything. I don't want to do anything about my situation. I don't want to act upon it, because at this point, I'm hopeless. So that's one option. The second option is she could have acted in a negative way. And this is the one I often fall into. I often act out of emotions. I often look at all the odds stacked up against me. I'm like, well, I'm defeated. Can't win that one. I'm just gonna make excuses for it. Do you guys often feel that? I feel like that is a common human response. And I don't know what you guys are going through, But one of the hardest things for me is being the youngest sibling. And you see, I'm supposed to have a mom and dad as my parent, and I do have a mom and dad as my parents. But I also had three other parents, known as Andrew, Bethany, and Sarah, my three oldest siblings. And they often acted as my parents, and it's the greatest hardship of all. Can anyone else feel me there? Yep, thank you. And so they would often tell me what I needed to do when mom and dad weren't around, and I hated it. I didn't want to be told what to do about my, my siblings. And so depending on who it was, it was dependent on how I responded. If it was my oldest brother, I would talk back. And then he'd beat me up. And then if it was my sister that's closest to me in age, I would just tackle her because I knew she was weaker than me. And I could do that. And I still love you, Sarah. But I know that. I act out of emotions. I know that I look at all the odds stacked up against me. I would often make cases to my parents saying, hey, do you see what they just did here? Like, this is not okay. This is not okay at all. They should get in trouble. They should get grounded. I should be fine. I shouldn't be the one getting in trouble. Like I would make these cases for myself and say, hey, this this is not okay. I would act out of emotions. I would build up my cases. How often do we do that? Maybe for you, it's this relationship that was broken years ago that you just don't think can be mended. And you just feel like it's just been torn apart and there's no chance of ever getting it back. And maybe you are creating this case for yourself, saying this is why they should apologize to me. This is why they should be the one to give me love because I've already done everything else. Maybe you are creating a case for yourself and you are looking at your opposition of this relationship and you are acting in a negative way. Maybe for you, you don't feel like you've been given a fair chance at work. And so you are throwing yourself a pity party. You're inviting everyone to it. You are bringing the chips, actually. And you're just going to be saying, hey, this is what's happening. Let's just let's gossip about it. Let's let's do this. Let's not find peace and freedom through God. Maybe you are looking at your life and you're like, oh, I keep trying hard and hard and hard and nothing ever goes right for me. I feel you there. I feel like I got the worst luck. All right? But we often make this case for ourselves, and we don't focus our eyes on Jesus. And that's what Pastor Alex talked about last week. How we have all these storms around us, all this opposition, but we look at all of that and we forget to focus on Jesus. But today we're going to be talking about the action behind it. Not just the focus, but the action. And we see that we could have acted, and this woman could have acted in a passive way. We see that she could have acted in a negative way. We could also see how she actually acted scripture says that she chased after Jesus she fell at his feet and she declared her faith she didn't curl up into a ball in a dark corner and just look at her life as hopeless she didn't just look at her situation and make all these excuses and run away from the problem she looked at the opposition as an opportunity to have courageous faith She took a step of humility. She took action and saw after Jesus. Yes, her focus was there, but her whole body was also there. And I think that's something that we often miss today. We say, Jesus, we need you, but we don't actually do anything to say, hey, we need you. We just think it. We don't act on it. And I love what James 2 says. There are several different verses regarding faith in this. In verse 17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 22, You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith made him complete by what he did. Verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without deed is dead. You see, I think often we look at our problems, and we sit in our problems, and we make excuses for our problems, but we miss the action behind it. We think about all of our problems, but we don't talk to God about our problems in a humble way. We don't surrender everything. I think we look at these altars, and we think it's decoration. But we're not willing to take the step out of the aisle, to walk down the aisle and say, Jesus, here I am, I need you right now. I need you to help me with that relationship. I need you to help me with my job. I need you to give me peace and freedom. Because in our hopelessness, we can find hope in God. But how can we find hope in God if we're not truly seeking after him? When we're not taking that courageous step. I look at these different ways that she could have reacted, the different choices she had, the, pass, the passiveness, the negative actions, the positive actions. And out of the three, the hardest one to come by is the one that she did. And that's what makes it courageous because in our human nature, we wanna curl up. In our human nature, we wanna make excuses. But it's against our human nature to do the hard thing, which is to be humble which is to surrender, which is to let go of control. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a really cute puppy. And his name is Maverick, if you're wondering. He's really fluffy. And he loves this one little red toy so much that he wants me to play with him. But he never lets go of it. And so he's just like growling, like trying to get me to play with him, but he will never actually give me the toy. And then I say release, and he releases it, and as soon as he releases it, it drops my hand, and he picks it right back up. He doesn't even give me a chance to grab it. And I think that's often what we do with God. We come, and we try to be humble. We try to take that courageous step. We say, here, God, here it is. Take it. And then all of a sudden, we pick it back up as soon as we release it. Courageous faith not only means chasing after him, it means dropping on our knees and fully surrendering and not picking it back up. It means handing over our hardships. It means taking the opposition as an opportunity to have that courageous faith. It's a hard one. I get it. It's difficult. And I don't know what your opposition is. It could be loneliness like this woman. It could be the financial struggle. It could be hopelessness. It could be a relationship. It could be work. We all have our different battles. And I'm talking with the students about this right now in youth group. We all have our different battles. But it's how we respond to our battles that matter. It's how we act with our battles that matters. It's how we seek out Jesus and chase after him and humbly submit to him and say, Lord, I need you. That's what matters. And whenever we do that, we see Jesus respond. And we see Jesus responding to the sick woman. And I love how he starts off by saying daughter. Because this word daughter is just confirming her faith. Because her faith has now made her a child of God. She is now a daughter of the king. So he starts off by declaring her faith, not only through the word daughter, but also saying your faith has healed you. So he's made that declaration with her. He's taken that step with her. But he goes on and says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Peace and suffering, two things that she has not experienced in 12 years because she's found her identity in her uncleanliness. We don't have to find our opposition in our identity. We don't have to look at this opposition as something that will tear us down. We don't have to look at our opposition as something that's an obstacle to meet Jesus. We can look at it as as an opportunity. And she did, and she was able to seek peace. Now this word peace, it's a Hebrew term. It's shalom. Can you guys say that with me? Shalom. And this means to be covered in wholeness. So not only was she given this peace, but she was covered in it. She was covered and wholeness that only can come from Jesus. And she was able to walk away that day with something she did not know anymore. Peace and freedom. So I want you guys to think about your own lives. We see she's a prime example for everything. All the opposition. We see her by faith story. She had the difficulty. She had the faith. And we see the Lord's power through it but I want to think about your guys' life now. Think about it. What's your opposition? What's your difficulty? We all have them. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all got them. But how are you going to turn that into your by-faith story? How are you going to turn that difficulty into a redemption story? By taking the courageous step of faith and acting, not only acting, but submitting in humility. It might be a relationship, and I think often that's what our world finds anymore because we have so much disagreement. It might be a relationship, it might be work, it might be finances, it might be loneliness. It might even be anxiety. But whatever it is, God is so much bigger. And he can destroy that difficulty. But you have to trust him in it. You have to turn to him. We don't have to stay in our hopelessness. We don't have to be creating all these different things and making all these different excuses. We don't have to let the odds be stacked against us, but we can turn to God and say, Lord, here are the odds, but you are far greater. I have faith in you. I'm fully releasing control to you. Lord, please be with me. And worship team, you can start making your way up. As you are going throughout life, as you are going throughout the difficulty, as you are trying to fight these battles, don't lose hope in Jesus. Because opposition doesn't just have to be a difficulty. It can be an opportunity. And courageous faith requires the action. So as we're about to worship, I'm going to challenge you guys to take that action. Don't look at these as just pieces of wood that's decorative. Take that courageous step. Step out of the aisle. Step into humility. Step with courageous faith and say, Lord, here I am. I need you. I can't do this without you. You are far greater. Give me the strength, give me the love, give me all that I need right now just so I can experience this shalom, this covering of peace, this covering of wholeness, this covering of strength, Lord, help me. Let me be able to walk out with peace and freedom. Take that courageous step of faith today and walk out in humility. Let's worship.